Hallelujah. Thank you all very much. If you all have your Bibles, please turn to Isaiah chapter 58. You know, you don't have to be a news junkie. You know, some people consider me a news junkie because I'm always looking at the news, etc. But you don't have to be a news junkie to look at this world and know it's messed up. It's gone absolutely crazy, and it's racing towards God's judgment. And like that, ha- that song used to say, on a highway to hell. Question is why? And why now? Okay? The Bible says in Revelation 12:12 12, 12, that the devil, and that's part of the reason why, he knows that his time is short. And so he's throwing everything at us. In other words, he's almost coming like a storm at the world because he knows time is short. He wants to take as many people to hell with him. And so he is racing against time to cause us and cause this world not to listen to him, but to listen to him. And the Bible says that when this storm comes, what does God do? He doesn't sit back. He comes back and the Bible says when that happens, he raises up a standard against him, a standard against him. What is that standard? When the Bible speaks about a standard, what is that standard? Let's look at our text and let's uh, look at Isaiah 58, um, 19b, 19b. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up or rise up a standard against him. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up or rise up a standard against Satan. Well, first of all, let me start off by saying this. The enemy or the devil has come in like a flood. All you need to do is look around the world and see that. But let me first start off by saying this. People say, well, why is this going on? I have a lot of people say, where's God, Ernie? Doesn't he see all these things? Doesn't he see what I'm going through? Doesn't he see how those police officers are being gunned down? How this problem and that problem and, and ISIS raping young girls and all this stuff? What people fail to realize is that God is not the God of this world. When God made this world, this world was the Garden of Eden, and everything was perfect. There was no murder. There was no cancer. There was no tears. There was no lying and cheating. There wasn't people who were raping. There wasn't all of the addictions of the world. Everything was perfect. Unfortunately, what happened was Adam and Eve said no to him, didn't listen to God, and listen to Satan. And that's when the keys of this world were transferred from Almighty God's hands to Satan's hands. Oh, come on, show me the scriptures. John 18.36, Jesus said, His kingdom is not of this world, at least not for now. John 18.36, John 12.31, Jesus said, The ruler of this world, I'm going to cast him out. He right now, he's king. He right now is God of this world. Pero poquito tiempo. It's coming real soon that I am going to cast him out. 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. For those who don't believe, who those who say, I don't believe in this Jesus stuff. The Bible says that the devil right now is blinding your eyes. How many of y'all remember Jesus was here on earth? And the devil was trying to tempt him. He had fasted for 40 days, taken him into the wilderness. And Satan took him up to the very highest of mountains. And he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said, these things I give you, Jesus, if you fall down right now and worship me. Wow. In other words, they're my kingdoms, Jesus. They're not yours. For this time frame right now, I'm the God of this world. And Jesus didn't say, no, that's not right. Jesus didn't push back on that. What he did say is, get out of here, Satan. Get away from me. He says, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. But that's a very good scripture to be able to realize that he even was pushing back on Jesus and say, fall down and worship me, because I'm the big dog right now. And then I love the book of Revelation. I love how... It tells the rest of the story, the end story. When Jesus comes back to this world and he puts his feet back on this earth, on the mountains uh, in Jerusalem, and he makes 
everything right again. And the Bible says in Revelation 11.15, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever and ever. So even though this world is messed up right now, and we're understanding it's because the devil is the one that's in charge, and it's obvious because everything comes good from God, and this world is not being good right now. And it's obvious that the devil is in charge. But until Jesus comes back and reigns, our world, our country, I mean, we see that it's falling apart. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I would submit to you, he's doing a pretty darn good job. We look around this world, and he gives people a spirit of fear. I'm amazed. You know, I do, guys, a lot of talking to people, and, and um, I'm amazed at how many people are gripped by a spirit of fear. I would even say debilitating fear. Some people where I was just with somebody that's close to me that very highly educated but can't even get out of her house. And I've had multiple ones like that. This fear that grips them. Fear that their husband's going to die. Their Wife's going to die. Their children are going to die. They're going to lose their business. They're going to, I mean, just fear that's gripping them. Many deal with the problems of this world and fear by drinking and drinking. Drugs, smoking. Many, they don't do any of the illegal drugs, but boy, prescription drugs, pill popping. Many are just using what they call psychotherapeutic drugs. Psycho. Therapeutic, it helps therapeutically your psychological problems. I started doing some statistics on this, and even though the United States has less than 5% of the world's population, the United States is using 75% of the prescription drugs that the world uses. Jesus predicted that this fear would be one of the signs when he came back. Jesus said, When you see this fear gripping people, you know I'm very close to coming back. Luke 21, um, verses 25 through 26, it says, And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars. And on the earth, there's going to be distress of nations with perplexity. In other words, how do we figure out these problems? These are hard problems. What do we do about these problems? And then it says, there'll be problems with the weather, the seas and the waves roaring. And then it says, men's hearts will be failing them for fear and for fear of expectation of the things that are coming to the earth. So Jesus said, one of the signs of these last days is fear will be gripping people. Anxiety will be gripping people. Are you gripped with that fear, with that anxiety? Do you have that debilitating fear? And if that's the case, the Bible says that you don't need to be. God didn't design for you to take on all of these worries and pressures on your own. The Bible has wonderful titles for God, but two of the ones that I love is God says, I am the God of comfort. I want to comfort you. I want to be there when you're going through these situations. You know, I had the privilege of being um, with Anita at the hospital. And... um, she was real close to death, but she was very lucid. And she knew that there was a strong possibility she would be dying very imminently. We were talking about the things of God, talking about heaven, and she had such a peace on her. That's another one of the titles of God. God says, I am the God of peace. So here I'm talking to her, and she's going through all of these things, and she's got a smile on her face. She's got comfort. She's got peace of God. And right there, within 24, 48 hours, she passed away. But not passed away. She all of a sudden was healed forever because she's got a new body now. And she's with our Lord Jesus. And she had that. How is it that she can have that transcending peace? How is it that she can have that comfort when so many people, when they're in that situation, they're freaking out? The Bible says, don't carry all of these burdens. Cast, in fact, it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, 
cast your burdens on Him, for He cares for you. That right there is saying, hey, listen, when you feel weighed down and your shoulders hurt and say, you know, can you give me a massage? Well, that's fine. But what you need to do is cast those burdens onto Jesus. Don't let that worry, don't let that anxiety, don't let all of those things be weighing you down because it's going to cause problems. Cast your burdens for He cares for you. And God secondly promises that God, when He sees all of this flood coming at people, coming at the world, God promises, I will rise up a standard against that demonic flood. And why does He do that? Well, let me first start off by saying, because He loves us. Because He cares for us. Don't think, guys, for a moment that God looks at all of this situation and He goes, ah, whatever. Like one guy told me, Ernie, don't you think God's kind of silent? Don't you think? And he was really miffed at God. Don't you think that God's kind of silent, Ernie? Don't you think that, I mean, is he deaf or what, Ernie? He's not deaf. In fact, God sees all of these problems going on, people getting hurt, and the Bible says his anger, his wrath is building up, building up, building up, and there's coming a point, very soon, he's just waiting for more people to be saved. And as he says on his calendar, this is the last person that's going to be saved. And then he closes the curtain on this age of grace. And then comes this wrath against those who have rejected him and against Satan. And when he comes back, then you're going to see God isn't silent, but God is a merciful God waiting for you and I to be saved, waiting for you and I to make sure that we're living right and not backslidden because he wants everybody to make it to heaven. It's his mercy that's keeping him. Our text calls about a standard that will fight against this demonic flood. Well, let me first say this. When Jesus was here on earth, he was that standard. He was pushing back on that flood. The Bible says that he proclaimed the good news of salvation. How do we fight against that standard? Because there's hope. There is good news. That's why the Bible is called good news. He proclaimed that good news. He prayed for people to be healed. Listen. Jesus, he just didn't see somebody and hurting and, and, and just left them alone. No, he didn't just give theory. A lot of people have great theory. A lot of people are very convincing. I love Jesus because he had compassion. He didn't just share words that even change your heart. But when he saw people that were hurting, he prayed for them and he healed them. The Bible says that he prayed for people that were demon-possessed. People that were oppressed by the devil. Oh, that doesn't happen nowadays. Really? He prayed, cast out the demons, and they were delivered. He didn't give them psychotherapy. He didn't give them a program. He didn't say, you know what, man? I'm just going to have you to get some uh, fermented wine. You know, Pastor Glenn preached a sermon not too long ago on fermented wine. Jesus, many people say, oh, he had people drink. He gave them wine. Listen, there's a difference between wine that's grape juice and wine that is fermented. Jesus didn't say, oh, mijito, you're having a hard time. Let me just get you drunk. Never. 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 And yet today, when people are going through hard times and they go to the doctor, what do they do? Just take this medication. Just take this. And many times all they are is they become a zombie. And yeah, maybe they weren't as crazy as they were, but now... They're not in their right mind. They're just zombified. And America is the worst at that in the whole world. Jesus didn't do that. What did Jesus do? Well, Jesus had a five-fold ministry. What do I mean by that? Luke 4.18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So here you have Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him because he has anointed me. One, to preach the gospel. Two, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Is your heart broken? He came to heal the brokenhearted. Three, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Are you bound by something? Is there something that you're bound by right now? Bound by porno? Bound by anger? Bound by jealousy? Whatever it is, he came to set the captive free. He came to heal those who needed healing. The recovery of the sight, ears, the lame. And then lastly, to set at liberty those who are oppressed by the devil. 
Jesus was that standard. Now, we know that Jesus is coming back to take control of this world. And when he does, everything's going to be okay. But until then, he's looking for a standard. He's looking right now for us to fight back against this flood, to pray for the sick, and to do his five-fold ministry. So, what is that standard? Better question, who is that standard? Listen, guys, that's us. He's looking for us to be that standard. When I was at Prescott last week, I, um, I had the privilege of uh, talking to Pastor Mitchell a couple times. And here is an 86-year-old man. And he was giving Pastor Stevens and he was giving the rest of the leaders a hard time. He was pushing them, pushing them, pushing them for the presence of God to fight for the anointing of God, to fight for the manifest, the manifest presence of God, to fight for in our churches to see people healed, people delivered. He was fighting for that. I mean, here he is, and he was saying, this is why we're here, This for such a time as this. I think about some people, and they say, well, that was just for the apostles. I talked to a lot of people from a lot of other churches, and they don't pray for the sick. And what they say is, that was over in the time of the apostles. That's not for today. Really? Well, first of all, who was praying for the sick in the time of the apostles? It was, was it just Jesus and the apostles? What about Stephen? Stephen was a man that was full of the Holy Ghost. In fact, he became the first martyr. What about the 70 that were called out? Remember that? They weren't the 12. God said, you go out, and they prayed for the sick. They cast out demons. These were just regular people, but they were full of the Holy Ghost. These, the Bible speaks about how they had consecrated themselves and set, them apart, set themselves apart from sin. Guys, God is looking for people. He's looking for people that will be that standard. But the only way we'll be that standard, if we make a decision and say, God, I'm going to make myself a vessel of honor. Did you guys catch that? In the scriptures, the Bible says that in the church, there's two kinds of vessels. Vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. And it's our choice. What he's saying is, in the church, there are people, we are the temple of God or a vessel. We can keep ourselves clean, separated and consecrated, and God can use us. Or we can be so dirty that God can't use us because God is a holy God. And these Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, not halfway full, not 70, full of the Holy Ghost, and God used them. These 70, full of the Holy Ghost. When Jesus was starting to pick people out, he didn't do it by seniority. All right, who's been here the longest? Didn't do that. He saw and looked around who was consecrating themselves, who had set them apart from the junk of the world and said, God, I want to be used. And then Jesus said, now you are fit for the master. Now you are fit for me to be a conduit where I can actually have God's power go through you and help other people because it can't be done for a vessel that's dirty and a vessel of dishonor. Who like who? Well, the Bible speaks about a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. Now, Ananias and Sapphira, they were there. They were part of everything. But they were liars. And they tried to show themselves that they were just as good as everybody else. And the Holy Spirit was able to call them on the carpet. Here these 70. Here Stephen. They weren't like that. And I hear some other people say, Oh, you know what? Besides... Jesus actually only healing back then. What happens if they don't get healed? What happens if I pray for them? But what happens if they do? So many people are scared of praying for the sick because they're concerned that they may not get healed. You know, I tell them, leave that up to God. If they don't get healed, you try your very best. And if it doesn't happen ten times, you try it again. I believe with all my heart, God is waiting for people who have their hands and their hearts open and saying, God, you promise, God. You promise in the book of Joel, in the last days, you're going to pour out your spirit, God. Oh, God, I believe that before you come back, you're going to pour out your spirit. And I want to be one of those that, who am I that you use me to pray for the sick? But God, I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to be ready. God is looking for those people. And Jesus said, 
the, uh, the book of Hebrews said Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And he's saying, I heal then, I can heal now. But the problem is, it's not God, it's us. It's this world. John 14, 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Wow. That's a promise there. And I have to admit, I've read that so many times, and I go, God, I'm not there. Because here he promises, when I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to live inside of you. The disciples didn't have that at that time. They had Jesus with him, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them at that time, because God, uh, uh, Jesus is still with them. When he left, he goes, the works that you see me do, the sick that you see me heal, the miracles that you see me do, you're going to be able to do the same thing and greater because I go to the Father. You're going to have the Holy Spirit and I'm going to be praying for you. Look at Mark 6, 15 through 20. It says, and he said to them, go and... Well, let me first back this up. Jesus, he's giving his last words before he leaves this earth. And how many of y'all know that people that talk, you can talk a good game, but when you're just about to die... Listen to those words, because those words are important words. These are the words that Jesus said right before he ascended to heaven. He said, Mark 16, 15 through 20. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, that right there, it's either true or not. It's a promise of God. And then the Bible says, the next verse, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven. And they saw him taken up by the clouds and sat down at the right hand of God. And then they went everywhere and listened to God and they preached everywhere. And the Lord with them, confirming the word that they preached, through the accompanying signs. Amen. Now, how many of y'all believe that this is true? Guys, I believe it. But if we believe it, we put it into action. If right now I, if right now I say, you know, I believe that that electrical um, light works, but I don't turn on the switch. And so you come in here and the switches aren't on. Hey, what? why aren't the lights on? Um... I haven't really turned them on yet. Well, why not? Don't you believe the lights work? Yeah. Well, then turn the thing on. If we believe something works, if we believe that something is going to be faithful, something is not going to, the car is not going to break us down, break down on us, then you're going to get that car and you're going to go to the west side. If you really don't believe that that car you're going to drive is going to, is going to make it to San Antonio, you won't go in it. But if you do, you're going to get in that car and you're going to go. If you believe it's going to break down or something's going to happen, you're going to have to change the tires or do whatever else. Okay? So if you believe something's going to happen, you put it to practice. If you believe what Jesus said, God is challenging us here. He's challenging. I'm not sure if you feel this, but I feel it. It's time, guys, to rise up. It's time for us to rise up and be men and women of God for such a time as this. You know, Pastor Stevens, I didn't know that Pastor Glenn had preached a very similar sermon last Wednesday. I was already working on this. Um, God, I believe God is challenging us, challenging us. Let's not just be a status quo church. Let's just not just be just, eh, another church service, let's get out of here quick. God is challenging us. Don't you want to see God's glory work in your life? Don't you want to say, oh my gosh, hey Lord, we prayed for them? And the demons, they came out. Now I understand Jesus said, hey, don't get excited about that. Get excited about your names are written in heaven. But still, it's pretty incredible. You pray for somebody and they get healed. God wants to do the same thing in our lives. God is looking for men and women who believe him as the church of Acts used to work. People who get full of the Holy Ghost and stay full of the Holy Ghost. God is looking for that. He wants that, uh, he's looking for people that want to work and do God's business. 
and do God's business. So many people, hey, I got my own business. I think about Jesus. Remember when he was a, I think he was a 12-year-old kid? And his mom and dad were looking for him. Son, they found him. Where were you at? I was about my father's business. Luke chapter 2. God is looking for people that are about his father's business. What was that word, those words that Jesus said? Occupy till I come. What does that mean? Does that mean make sure that you make a lot of money? Make sure that you work. And listen, guys, I'm not knocking that. We all have to work. We all have to be able to pay the bills, support our family. But what he's saying here is, what's your priority? If you really believe what we're talking about here in these scriptures here, you're going to prioritize and say, oh God, I'm going to position myself to where you are my priority. And your purposes and your business are my priority. I think about the parable of the ten minas. And in the ten minas, he gave out these the, the three months salary. And he goes, occupy till I come. And then he says, because I am Lord, are you going to let me reign in your life? Look at it, guys. Reign in your life. And that's the problem. That's the crux of the matter is we don't let God reign over all of our lives, only maybe a certain part of it. And God is saying, let me reign over all your life, and you're going to see my glory. I believe if we put God first, you know, there's a scripture that I love. Matthew chapter 6, 33 says, it's a promise. It says, if you put me first, seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and all these things that you're concerned about, I'm going to help you with. That's a promise. If you put me first, my kingdom, and you live right, you consecrate yourself, you be a vessel of honor so I can use you and be a conduit through you to help other people, then I'm going to help you with all of these things that you are concerned about. I want to share, lastly, with you a few testimonies of people who are fighting right now to say, God, let me be that standard. I got a phone call from um, our pastor, Pastor Jose Quintero, and um, he's in Bolivia, and he's going through a lot of stuff. And our pastors and missionaries that are in China and South America and Russia and Many difficult parts of the world, they're going through it, guys. We need to be praying for them right now. They're going through it. And so here, Pastor Quintero, I speak to him um, pretty often. And he tells me, Ernie, i got to tell you a testimony. I said, great. <clears throat> and he says, I've been pretty vexed lately because there's a Satanist that lives right next to me. And when he says Satan, I mean messed up. And I was so tired of it. This I mean, it causes me to lose my sleep. I was totally vexed. And I even had told my wife, my daughter, we're out of here. We're moving out of here. But he says, I got tired of this demonic flood. And I said, no, God, let's raise up a standard against this. And so he started fasting and praying and fasting and praying twice a week. Oh, God, help me. But he's pushing through and pushing through. He goes, Ernie, they just moved out. He goes, they weren't going to move out, but they just moved out. I became that standard. And I'm like, yes, God. How many times we give up? How many times when there's all sorts of things going on? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Do we believe that or not? Pastor Quintero said, I'm tired of this. This is a good area. Why should I have to move? I want to share with you guys another two testimonies. We have, um, I want to have Mando. Um, he um, had a Bible study this past Friday. Everything I'm telling you about just barely happened. And uh, had a Bible study this past Friday. And um, so what they do, and I really like what they do, is afterwards they'll pray for the sick. And his daughter um, had been run over, I believe, by a quad. Okay? And um, ATV? Okay, she fell. Okay? And so her leg and so I'm not going to say any more because I may get it wrong. So, Mando. <laughs> you do it, really. Well, um, I had came to Ernie uh, and asked him if I can have a Bible study on um, the Holy Spirit because of the new converts. But, you know, here we are having the Bible study because I wanted to teach, you know, because when new converts come, um, they kind of trip out because we speak in tongues. And that's the first thing they, that scares them. Like, what are they doing, right? 
So I had asked them for permission to do that, and we did that. So we had a, a, a great Bible study. Even um, It was weird because even Craig Cannon came out, and that kind of scared me a little bit. But, <laughs> um, you know, um, but anyways, you know, afterwards, you know, I asked, we asked if they wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which most of the people who had gone to the Bible study had already been filled with the evangelists. So nobody really wanted to um, get filled with the Spirit, but they started asking for prayer. And my daughter was one of them because she was crying um, that she had so much pain. So I'm like, man, I, was, I thought we were going to pray for the Holy Spirit, you know, so they can be filled with this, you know. But no, she asked for prayer for pain, and, and then we started praying for her, and then she started crying and I'm like, why are you crying? Because, well, she'll tell you right now. Uh, but, um, anyways, another thing that happened was, um, women um, rose up, about six women, and asked for prayer for their husbands. I mean, you have to understand these women are broken, crying. I mean, sobbing. We line them up, and, uh, you know, my husband's not here. My husband doesn't want to come to church. My husband, I mean, just, you know, problems. So we start praying, and what's amazing is that we have new converts, older converts, and, and, and we're in this, in, in our living room, and I mean, you can, I'm praying, people are praying, and it's like a roar, I mean, you could, I couldn't even hear myself, it was so loud, I mean, you can, the spirit of God fell. Six of these women, I can see them, three of their husbands are here now, today, praise God, and then I've asked them, how are you, and, and you know, from Friday to today, they're not crying they're i mean they're actually happy they say they have peace and it's through the holy spirit i and i understand that now that if we don't pray we don't you know if you don't pray you have no chance of anything happen period you know but if you do pray you know you got to give you got to give the holy spirit a chance to work in your life yes amen so i want her to my daughter to testify now um well, I was in an accident uh, last Saturday. I fell off a quad, and I messed up my leg pretty bad. I, I was bruised, and I had an open wound. Well, I have an open wound. Um, and I don't know if any, many of you guys saw me limping in on, on through the revival. Um, I was in a lot of pain, and, like, my dad had asked me to testify, and I didn't want to testify. Like, I didn't know what to say. Um, and then when I wasn't even going to get asked to pray for myself either, but something told me just have them pray for you. So I told my dad, I was like, my leg. And then um, they started praying for me, and I started crying. And I looked at my dad, and I was like, I'm scared to say that it doesn't hurt anymore. <laughs> and then um, well, right now, I mean, you guys can see me. I'm walking fine. It doesn't hurt. Um, I just felt, I don't know if many of you have felt where they put, where you're going to get surgery, and they put your body to sleep, and you don't feel nothing. Or you women that have kids, that they put the epidural on you. And you're numb. And that's what I felt upon me when they were praying for me. I just felt the Holy Spirit fall on top of me. And there was no more pain. And Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Thank you very much. What would have happened What would have happened if Mando and them would not have prayed? And would have just said, like so many people do in our world, in our country now, ah, you know, just go to the doctor. But they said... Let's believe God. Well, something happened, guys, on Wednesday. So when Pastor Glenn preached that sermon, okay, um, there was a group of people that um, came and prayed for this young little boy, okay, young man. And um, I'm going to have Mark, his dad, share what happened because this is an incredible testimony. Mark? Marcus? Come on, both of you guys. On uh, July 13th, uh, which ironically was uh, my son's birthday, uh, pastor preached on the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And on that day, he challenged each and every one of us to have the Holy Spirit upon us and go out and heal those that are sick. And on that day, um, he also asked individuals to come up and get filled with the Holy Spirit. And... That day, my son raised his hand on his own. He built the courage. He came up, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit and amazingly started speaking in tongues. That was the first thing that happened, and he was amazed, and he was telling me, Dad, Dad, I, I did it. I did it. I was speaking in tongues, and he was on fire. And so the service just ended, and shortly after, uh, Brother Ray Ortiz came up to us and asked us if, um, if he mind you know, asking us a question, and he asked why my son 
walks with a heavy limp. And most of you that know him um, notices that he walks with a severe limp and as well as I do. Now, I was born with a club foot, which is basically your feet are turned in when you come out of the wound. And I had four operations early in my life to correct that. And, of course, I had cast on, on my legs and my feet. And my son, and this is not hereditary, uh, hereditary according to the uh, doctors, but he was also born with one club foot, which was his right foot. And it's approximately about, I would say, maybe an inch to an inch and a half shorter in length than his left foot. Now, his left leg is, is pretty, is normal. It's muscular. And on his right leg, it's shorter. It's shrunken because of the fact he had a cast on there. And so we explained that to him. And so, uh, Pastor George Moreno and George Salas and I and Ray Ortiz, we sat back here and we, we had God manifest that evening for us. And we performed uh, we prayed over my son, and God himself showed my son a true miracle that I've never seen in my It happened right before my eyes. We sat there and prayed, and we had the Holy... We declared the Holy Spirit to come in and heal him. And right before our eyes, his leg stretched, and it grew, and it came the same length as his second as his left leg and he now no longer has that limp right before our eyes i want to start by when i was small i had i had a lot of pain i would not want to run i would not want to be active but i pushed myself And on my birthday, everything changed. Hallelujah. I got blessed with the Holy Spirit. I started walking around in circles saying, this is not, this is not true, this is not true. <laughs> For a second, I was like, what's going on? <laughs> And then I started hearing how I am right now. <laughs> and then when I when I first got off the stage after this happened, I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" I was just in shock. And I thank Father God for this. Yes, Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Don't tell me God doesn't still do miracles. But God is looking for people who believe that. God is looking for people that say, God, use me. Here you had Ray, and you had that group of men who said, we'll pray for you. Here you had Mando, and you had that Bible study and says, we'll pray for you. God is looking. Jesus, when he was here, he was that standard. But until he comes back again, he's looking for people who will be a standard. Will you be that standard? I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed, please. Hallelujah. It's time. It's time to rise up. If you're here right now and um, you um, heard this message, you heard about how this world is so messed up, and right now you're part of that. You are part of that anxiety, maybe taking drugs or maybe drinking or smoking and trying to just cope with all of the problems of this world. I understand this world is messed up and it brings so much pressure. But God is saying, there's a better way. I am the God of comfort. I am the God of peace. And I sent my son to die on the cross for your sins. And he'll fill you with his Holy Spirit to where you don't have to be taking those drugs anymore. You don't have to be bound anymore. God can set you free if you want to be saved. If you're still bound by porno or by messing around and you're not faithful to your husband or to your wife 
or you just can't stop fighting, or you just can't stop with this bitterness, this anger, this resentment, this jealousy, or whatever it is. God is saying, I am your solution. I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. And that's you. And you say, God, I'm ready now, God. It's time. If that's you, raise up your hand to God. Say, God, no more games, God. I want you, God. Save me, Lord. I need you. Raise up your hand to God. Quickly. Raise up your hand. Anybody here? God wants to save you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. And thank you for that. Those, your honesty. Anybody else? God is going to touch these, these honest people. Anybody else? Raise your hand to God and say, God, that's me, God. I don't want to be this way anymore. God sees right now. See that other hand. Thank you. Anybody else? God says, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Are you broken right now? God wants to heal you. Are you right now bound in your sin? God wants to deliver you. Are you oppressed by the devil? God wants to deliver you. Anybody else? Raise your hand. I see that hand. Thank you for that honesty. Anybody else? Anybody else? See that hand. Thank you. Thank you. God is going to speak into your life and change you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Join these many hands already. Anybody else? God is going to do a miracle. But if you have to let Him, you have to ask Him. If there's somebody here and you're backslidden, you have actually been saved before, but now... You're doing the same stuff you were doing before. Or you're playing around with sin. And your life is a mess. Your marriage is a mess. Your kids don't respect you. Your parents don't respect you. People look at you and say, you call yourself a Christian? And you say, God, I'm sorry, God. I don't want to be this way anymore. I want to change, God. And you're ready to make that full commitment. If that's you right now, backslider, please. God loves you. Yes, thank you for that. Anybody else? Yes, I see the hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I know there's more, guys. God, He loves you. Please, don't, don't play any more games. You're going to lose your family. Don't do it. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. For those who raise their hands... Come forward here. I want to pray for you. Please, come forward. There's too many hands. Come on. Come on, guys. Mangison. Come on, guys. Sister, come on. Over here as well. Come over here, guys. I need help. People praying for people. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Last call before we change the order. If there's somebody else, please get it right. God loves you and the devil hates you. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Not just destroy you, but destroy your marriage, your family, your kids. Don't let them. Stop it now. Anybody else, please come forward. Stop being just like Ananias and Sapphira. Living a lie. Be a vessel of honor now. Anybody else? All right, let me change the order of the altar call. God is saying, who will be my standard? Who will say, God, use me, God. I'm going to stretch my faith, God, to be able to see my mom, my dad, my husband, my brother, my family member, my co-worker saved, God, and healed. God, I'm going to use, I'm going to separate my life, consecrate myself so you can use me, God. If that's you right now, and you're ready to be able to set your life apart, be serious with God, God is looking to pour out His power. If that's you, I want you to come forward, make a commitment to Jesus right now with all your heart. This is something that is between you and God. But God, I believe, is looking right now for people that He can pour out His Spirit. People who are going to get serious with God. I'd like to have everybody stand to their feet and Come before God and make some commitments in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I pray, my God. God, descend upon us, God. God, for those people here who are going to separate themselves and be vessels of honor, Lord, I pray, God, God, that you, Lord God, would give them. You promise, God, that the works that you do, that they will do, my God. And even greater works, Lord. Oh, God, stretch our faith, Lord. I pray, my God, Rolosha, God, increase our faith, Lord. Rolo Rabba Babasha, Shobo Rolo Rabba Babasha, Shobo Rolosha. God, we're going to make your kingdom our priority, God. Not what we do, but what you do, Lord. In Jesus' name, God, we're going to occupy till you return. We're going to be that standard, God, that you would have us to be, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus, thank you, my God. Thank you for the people of God. Oh, God, descend upon us, Lord. God, we know we're nothing special, Lord. We know who we are, God. But, Father, we love you, my God. You are our Father. You've given us the right to become children of God. God, pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. Manifest yourself through us, God, that we would be conduits, God, of your power to touch, Lord God, the world that's lost, the world, my God, that is held captive by and oppressed by the devil, Lord. In Jesus' name, Rolo Shobo Rolo Rabba Babasha in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord. Rolo Shabba Rabba Babasha. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to have everybody stand to their feet, guys. Here's the challenge. Mark, or should I say Luke 4.18. Jesus, when he was here on earth, he did this fivefold ministry. And he's looking for people that will do this to their circle of influence. In other words, we all have a circle of influence. Our moms, our dads, our brothers, our sisters, some people at work, our cousins. You know, something happened to me uh, Friday, Thursday, Friday. And so I went to my cousin's house. And be real honest with you, some of my primos and tias and so on, pues muy orgullosos, ¿verdad? They're pretty proudful. And they don't want to call and say, hey, Ernie, I need your help. But they were in a rough situation. She was in a, and she called me up, and I was able to pray for her. And right now, God just is doing a miracle in her. Hopefully, you'll see her on Wednesday. Okay? Um, but I believe, guys, as this world gets crazier and crazier, there's going to be people in our circle of influence that are going to call out to you. And people maybe who haven't called you in the past, and they're going to say, can you pray for me? Can you help me? Look at Luke 4.18. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Oh God, come upon us. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. He wants us to be able to share the gospel. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There's a lot of people out there whose hearts are broken, and we know the answer. To proclaim liberty to the captives, people who are bound, bound in porno, or bound in anger, or bound in jealousy, or bound in drugs, or whatever. To recover the sight to the blind, people who are sick. And God says, don't worry about if they don't get healed. What if they do? And you stretch out your faith and you pray for them. And to set liberty to those who are oppressed. The devil is having a field day. And there is a lot of stuff going on right now where people, they've opened themselves up to Ouija boards and all sorts of stuff. And we know the answer. And we can pray and cast out that demon. Who will be that standard for God? Who will say, God, use me. Use me, God. I know that there's family members and friends of mine and co-workers that have some of these problems. Oh, God, from now on, God, I'm not going to be sitting back anymore. Use me. Let's worship God and let's tell him. For those of you who mean it, oh, God, shower me and give me your power. I want to be your conduit. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, use us, my God. Oh, God, Rolo Shabara. We want to be, Lord God, rise up and be the standard, my God. When the enemy comes in the flood, like a flood, the Lord will rise up a standard against him, Lord God. 
Use us, my God, in Jesus' name. Rolo Rabba Babasha. Lobo Rolo Rabba Babasa. Lobo Rolo Rabba Babasha. Shobo Rolo Rabba Babasha. Use us, my God, powerfully, my God. God, I pray for your blessing upon your people, my God. Lobo Rolo Shabba Rabba Babasha. Shobo Rolo Rabba Babasha. Powerfully, my God. Save their family members. Heal their family members, my God. Use them for mighty miracles, Lord. Lobo Rolo Rabba Babasha. Shobo Rolo Rabba Babasa. Rabba Babasa. Thank you. Let's worship him. Thank you, my God. Thank you, God. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, my God. Rolo Sha. God, that you would use us, my God. Rolo Rabba Babasa. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord. Praise the living God, my God. Rolo Rabba Babasa. Shaba Rabba Babasha. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my God. wants to pay the price of consecrating themselves. Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, but he was chosen because he was full of the Holy Ghost. Those 70, they were chosen because they had paid the price and said, God, use us. They didn't use. He didn't use Ananias and Sapphira. He didn't use many others. Guys, I believe we're living in the greatest time in the history of the world even greater than the time when Jesus was alive because we're going to see mighty things, powerful things, but we want to be able to have our hands open and say, God, use us to touch our family, our friends, and our circle of influence. Amen? All right, guys. God is speaking to our church. That's no, there's no doubt to me, to me, and he's speaking to our fellowship. Let him use you specifically. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and close in prayer, and I'm going to have our brother Caesar uh, close us in prayer.